Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so thrilled that, you know, for the holidays, I am doing a new feature, and it is a small series. It's only um, a bonus episode, and I'm excited to have you all listen to the person that I'm having on today because it's someone that I've been uh, talking to for a while, and just every time I meet her and I say, and, and, and I sit down next to her, I just get so inspired, and I just love to hear her stories. She's got an amazing life and just a perspective that just brings me back to, you know, what's the, what's life really about and like why we we can change perspectives in ourselves and in our mind and uh, a negative into a positive and I think that's something that I think we lose a lot in, in in our current world I think we tend to look at the negative all the time without thinking about what how we can start our day in, in more gratitude and, and, and best um, the best way possible but this conversation for today is a little bit about studs I just watched the documentary yesterday so I want to introduce you to Rebecca Pistner did I say that correctly? You did, did you correct yes, me? You okay, did, you so tell it. everyone about you a little bit and just give your last name again because I think I messed it up. You didn't mess it up. It's <laughs> Rebecca Pistoner. I am um, founder and director of Beacon BCS. We teach language, um, English and Spanish language skills to professionals and executives who use those languages as second languages and want to become equally eloquent. Um, I was, as it relates to the movie stuff, yes. I was diagnosed with a um, mental illness in 1983 with chronic depression. I had been born to a very dysfunctional family, um, very strong and successful and focused on education, but truly dysfunctional, a circus in the house yeah. with a big facade. And um, when I was, I was sexually assaulted as a teenager for years. Um, I just lived through a lot of trauma and when I was 23 I decided that I was either going to get help or I was going to kill myself and so I went to a hospital and that's where my mental health journey began and um, I told the story I told the story for 30 years uh -huh. and during those 30 years I got married um, to a man who was abusive I got divorced from a man who was abusive I had a baby with a man who was abusive the same man I was in this thing but I was also in the mental health care system okay. which I found was so focused on me and what was wrong with me and not focused at all on me and why I was behaving in maladaptive ways to things that I had control over or could get out right. of. How is it that I was repeating these patterns? And instead, by the time, um, by 2009, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. One, two, I don't know, one of those numbers. And were you know. going through traditional therapy at the time, or, or were you seeing a psychiatrist? What, who, who was taking care of your All mental of health? Every, every psychiatrist, psychologists, uh -huh. social workers, social therapists, workers. doctors. I was probably the most compliant patient they'd ever had, um, but things just kept getting worse. Some of it was right. symptoms from the medications I was taking, okay. but some of, a, some of it was the gaslighting that was going on in the house I was living in with an abuser to which I was accustomed to having had been abused as a teenager. Right. Nobody ever looked at this, nobody ever came to my house. Uh -huh. And that's the thing that I thought when I watched stuff. When you watched stuff, somebody yeah. had just come to our house and visited for a couple of times, they yes. would have noticed. What, what was I going was experiencing on? Mm -hmm. and why I couldn't get well in that environment. In 2009, after I had the disability decision from the federal government, I was told to embrace my disorder. At that point, I had studied piano at NYU. I had a degree in microbiology from the University of Louisiana, and I had my MBA in business management. 
and they were telling me that I would never work again. Even after you've accomplished all of those things, mostly on your own. Correct. So why would they say something like that to you? Because what they were treating were symptoms. Okay. What they were treating was... Not the root causes. ...was that I was crying a lot, was that I didn't want to get out of bed, mm -hmm. um, was that I would go out and shop and buy 10 shirts in different yeah. colors, same style, mm -hmm. and then give eight of them away. Right. I was being compulsive and impulsive and not thinking things through. Um, and so they, it, you know, they pull out their little tick sheet and... So do you find that how Dr. Stutz was um, diagnosing, or the tools that he gives his patients, for example, I think what I was struck by was the fact that he says right from the very beginning that when he meets the first day, the first time with that patient, he wants to send them home with the tool. He doesn't really believe in like waiting months or years to talk things through. Like he wants them to go home with something. How would that would have affected you? How do you think that would have helped you if you would have had that sort of experience yourself with a doctor? Um, you know, the way I see, so the therapy I got was the type of therapy he describes. Okay. Others do, not him. I know. I'll call you next week. Yeah. What I saw him do that I thought was so fabulous is that he um, he doesn't really want to hear the story. You know, the story doesn't matter. How you got here doesn't matter. Yes. What matters is what we're going to do moving forward. Yes. Um, he says he doesn't go back to the past. He, 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 he talks about going forward. And I think traditional therapy is a lot about going back into the past. You know, I don't say that you should never go back into the past. And he even admits that later yeah. on. It's not like you never look back to see where you learned that behavior. But to go back and tell the story again just makes you relive the story and it digs it deeper into all the parts of your brain that you're trying to dig it out of. Right. Repeating the story doesn't make it go bad. It doesn't make the ending any different. You have to start from where you are. I see therapy now this way. If I broke my arm and then, God forbid, if I broke my arm yeah. and then had to go see a physical therapist afterwards, I'd imagine that after I go see my physical therapist, I should go home and soak my arm maybe take a couple of Tylenol to help with the pain yeah. and stuff because it's going to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, I probably didn't do very good therapy. And I think um, a psychiatric therapy, psychological therapy is supposed to hurt. And I think that's one of the components in his, in his um, practice is you have to feel the pain and you have to go through it. And I think instead of uh, like typical Americans, I guess we go for the pain meds right away as opposed yeah. to experiencing it and just going through it. And I think that's one thing I got from the from the movie and his not only going through it, gaining strength from yeah, going through it. Through it yeah. So recognizing that if you can get through this one, go ahead, bring it. But I think that so many of us just try to find a way to not feel it. We don't want to feel the pain, whether it's a mental pain, whether it's a physical pain. Like we want to mask it. We want to get rid of it. We don't want to feel it because it's uncomfortable. And I think one thing about his movie or what I learned from it yesterday was it, you, it, a comfort, uncomfortability is okay. It's um, not only okay. And it's helpful. It's necessary, it's necessary and it's important. Yeah. No, one change, yeah. no one grows. Nothing gets better yeah. without change. And change is naturally uncomfortable for our brain. Yes. Our brain does not like change, even if the change is good for you. Right. Um, I don't. Um, I don't imagine a life without pain. I don't shy away from it. I don't cause myself pain, but I don't understand. I don't understand how people think they're going to get through life 
without any, we're born into pain. Yeah. I mean, just try. So it's like one of those three things that he says that we all have, right? That you have to have, it's pain, uncertainty, and work, consistent work. And I thought about that and I thought, that is so true. Like it's always that. Always. 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 It's, it's, it's the, the pain, obviously it's always there. The consistency of work because you're always working. And then what was the third one that he the said? The consistency meaning the tribe that you yeah, have living in a safe place. You. Uh-huh. you need to have some yeah. sort of consistency. You brush your teeth. Routine, yes. ritual. That's why religion yes. plays such an important part in our lives because it does add ritual yeah. to our lives. And it, it is It gives important. us predictability. Totally. Yeah. We can't live in an unpredictable world without our cortisol levels being at places where mm-hmm. we can't even deal uh-huh. with what's happening fear, in front of and us. And fear. And fear is always a part of your life. And once you have upset those three things, part of like what life is you're able to go through it and not necessarily be pissed about life but say this is a part of life and be better tomorrow than today because you've accepted the fact that look what i've come through i don't think that um i think that instead of naming i believe in renaming things so instead of naming things bad feelings and good feelings, I call them comfortable feelings and uncomfortable feelings uh-huh. because some of them are just uncomfortable. I really don't want to experience them. I had a big bout of depression this past summer. I really didn't want to go through this. This was really horrible. I don't know what triggered it. I hadn't had a bout of depression in a very long time, but it happened. And all I can tell you is I still do what's in front of me and let God take care of the rest. And we talked about what I define as God, and it's like not the definition that most people used. It's just, just do what's in front of you. The world will open up in front of you if you do what's in front of you, and you'll see yeah. what opportunities are there, and then you move forward. But you have to accept change as being part of what makes things better, not what makes things worse. And Although we, your brain is yelling, don't make it different. So many times we don't want to face the change. You know, for me, change is very hard. I like for my boat to never be rocked. I like my boat to be steady. And when it's rocked, I go off. I go crazy because I can't handle it. It's very hard for me. So that's one thing I learned from the movie yesterday, that I, the sooner I accept that there is uncertainty, that there's fear and there's work, I can accept it. I can move forward. When I mentioned the, the, the movie to you, you said you were... You were going to give me a story where you were very sad and you this, something this affected you. Affected you. My 30 years that I spent in um, the mental health system where they diagnosed me as being the problem never gave me any tools to fix the problem. Instead, I was taking 11, 12 different medications by the time... Um, by, by 2009, by the time I um, was on disability and even went through a series of shock treatments because they couldn't figure out how wow. to get me well. What got me well is what Dr. Stutz suggested, which is I removed myself completely from that environment. Yeah. I renamed things that I did and I made the big changes that we talked about. Yeah. So in 2011, on January 11th of 2011, I'm not generally a stupid, superstitious person, but in 2011, my life began to change. I became disencumbered, yes. you know, changed my mindset from poverty to disencumbrance, where now, although I'm not rich by any means, I love being disencumbered. I don't want debt, I don't want to own anything. Mm-hmm. I want to be free. Um, so I redefine things. And you said something earlier that I think is important that my listeners hear. You said, I'm, I don't have anything to lose. 
I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. I and I love that you lose. said that because then it made me think, but you have everything to live for now. You everything know, to look forward to now. I told you that I do a gratitude prayer in Hebrew every yes, morning. Yes, you do. Uh -huh. I also remind myself every morning that today I'm going to live here because I want to. At any point, I can stick my key in the door and yeah. send my apartment manager a message saying, here's the two months rent I owe you. I'm out. And catch a plane with my 50 kilos of whatever I can stick in two suitcases. And you go said and, 50 kilos. Well, I'll be careful what you're putting in the... But really, that's what they allow on the plane, guys, right, is 50 right, kilos. Right, that's right. how they measure uh -huh. our luggage. They do, they do. So but I put my yeah. 50 kilos in my luggage, and that's what I can go and start my life in Sardinia. I could do it today. I don't have to wait. So the fact that yeah. I'm not doing today becomes yeah. a choice. And because it's a choice, I can accept it more. Because I, too, like predictability and don't want change. Because I, too, am human. Um, so it is a human experience, well, right? Sure. It is a human experience. And like pain is a human experience. Change, um, disappointment, not uh, feeling loved by someone or just um, encountering something that makes you uncomfortable. It's just a part of life. It's part of being human and the human experience. And I think the sooner, like Dr. Stett says, the sooner we understand that that's part of the process, the sooner we can start letting go of it. It's like the loss of grief, right? Like he, he talks about like having a method where you just let go and you let it be. Right, I think the key to that is to know that it's some people it takes six weeks and some people it takes six months. Yeah. They just actually yeah. put in a new, uh, a new diagnosis for extended grief in the DSM. So if you're grieving too long now, you have a disorder. The whole idea of us being disordered is to me just an absurdity. I think that we are maladapted in so many ways because as yeah. children we experience things that we don't understand and we just adapt to them because we're children. But I also believe there are people who are mentally ill. I have a brother who's schizophrenic who lives institutionalized um, and he needs that kind of care. But the majority of Americans today uh -huh. have been on some kind of mood-altering drug right. for the last whatever number of years and not just so that they can get over a rough spot or because they're falling into a hole of depression and they need to see a little bit of light uh -huh. so that they can start thinking. Yeah. But as a way of life, yeah. um, alcohol, marijuana. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't drink or smoke weed. I'm, I'm not against no, no, anything. No, 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 right. I'm saying when you start to use it so that you can manage your day tomorrow, that's when it becomes an issue. And but I believe that's true for Prozac and Lexapro and all and pharmaceuticals. We, we can't yeah. just keep using those things. We have to try to find the core of the problem and then address it and fix it because most of us can, and we don't want to because it's hard, and we and I, don't want to feel bad. And I think the lesson said. for me in just talking to you is that each one of us has the capacity to make the change that we want to make. That we, each of us has the ability to say, you know what, I'm gonna change the paradigm. I'm not gonna continue doing what, it, what I've been doing. I can change it myself. And I have it in me to, to do it, right? And I think that's something that I take from you and from the conversations I have with you is that you're always about, you're the one that takes on the, the change. You're able to make the change. Yeah, one of the other things I person. think Stutz brought up and you brought up as well was that um, you're going to lose people. Yeah as you make these yes, changes. Yes, that's true. Um, so added to the pain of making the change, you're going to have people around you who love you yeah. who are going to withdraw because they don't like you this way. 
um, like I said to you, we made a deal yeah. that I was going to be this person and you yeah. were going to be that person. And now I show up with purple hair yeah. and you, you changed. changed. I didn't make a deal with somebody who wears purple hair. That's mm-hmm. not who I... And that's okay. You know, I don't think it's okay. I try not to do that to the people that I love because I want the people I love to grow and to change. And I want to keep loving them through it okay. so that they can, I can encourage them to do it. But if they're out of your life because they don't like the person that you've become now, that's... Um, I have one before mom died. I had two choices. I told her this. Um, I don't speak to some family members. Yeah. Um, And she asked me, you know, why? How do you live with that? If I'm going to feel bad when I see this person, I'm going to hate them. And then I hate myself for hating them because I love them. But when he or she is not around me and I cry because I miss them, my heart fills with love. And... There we go. There's a great note to end on because isn't that really what it's all about? We want our hearts to fill with love. Sometimes love is painful because you can't be around the people that you love. Mm -hmm. But I love myself enough to know that I can't go to places where somebody expects me to be something I'm not. Mm -hmm. I can only go to places where people appreciate what I am because I have a lot to give and I have a lot of experiences and I am smart and intelligent and wonderful and and I say that with all due humility. I'm a very human person. I make mistakes all the time. Right. And it's okay. The more I accept that, the easier it becomes to accept it in others. And I definitely want you all to just remember that last part because I think that's the part that's the hardest for us to get to. And I think that's where where that moment of clarity kind of comes in and you just decide, I just can't be around people that are not going to accept me for me. And you're, you don't want to be fake. You don't want to be somebody you're not. And then you're hating yourself because you've become something you're not. And you didn't stand up for your, your sense of being, for who you really are. And honestly, I don't think I'm respecting nature. I don't respect, I'm not respecting my place in the world. It's like I'm a kidney cell trying to belong to a liver. I'm just a kidney cell. That's where I'm just going to have to be. And if you don't need a kidney cell, then you just don't need me. And probably, you know, if I'm taking up space in the wrong place, then the right person for that space isn't going to get there because I'm taking up that space. That's just not my space. It's not where I belong. And it's okay. I don't have to belong everywhere. And it's okay. As children, we're okay. taught that yeah. we're supposed to get along with everyone. Yeah. We're supposed to belong mm-hmm. everywhere. We're supposed to be accepting of everything. And I'm not. There are things in this world that I don't accept near me. I don't want them near me. Yes. And I have the right to say that's not good for me. Yes. But if you want to do it, you can do it. As long yeah. as there are adults and no children are being harmed in the process. Right. I have no problem with anything. I just... I'm, I... When... Like today, I came to this wonderful meeting. It's mm-hmm. a really wonderful mm-hmm. group of women that they meet. They are. I love it. I love coming here. Um, when I leave, I don't go over in my head what I said and what I did. There's a good measure for me. Yeah. When you get in the car, if you're starting to go over, I wish I had said, I wish I hadn't said, I yeah, wish I had done yeah. this. Don't go back there. Yeah. Because they're making you question yourself. When I yes. get in my car and drive away from these meetings I have with you guys, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't feel that way at all. I, I don't think, either. Oh, I have to remember to call this one. I don't either, oh, but in other groups, Rebecca, I do feel that way. I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't come across you know, smart enough or I didn't come across confident enough. Like You start to question, but the group kind of made me feel that way. In other places, I don't feel that. I feel like, oh, it felt good. It was great. I was who I was, and people appreciated it, or maybe they didn't. I don't know, but I'm not questioning it anymore. So somebody might, might yeah. call me a chicken and say <laughs> that I'm not brave enough, which I would argue at a later time. 
but um, I won't go back when I feel that yeah. way. When yeah. I get in my car and I leave, when I drive Love away, I can't hear the voices in my head that I am trying to quiet, yes. question my authenticity and who I am right. based on the questions on the the attitudes that I was given in that place, right. or I don't go back. I don't no. want to wake those monsters up. I want to go places where people don't mind that those monsters are sleeping there, and they find no. the beauty in me, right. where they want to talk to me about things that matter to both of us. And so there are places where I don't go back. I don't talk bad about them. I make it, I make it a point not to talk bad about them uh-huh. and to encourage other people to go there. Because just because it doesn't suit me doesn't mean it's not right for someone else. Absolutely. Um, I think it's all about finding balance and do what's in front of you. The universe, God, Allah, Hashem, I don't care what you call it. Whatever's out there organizing Uh this chaotic mess (laughs) will open the doors for you that you can look through and then choose what you want to do next. It works. Perfect. That's the part you all need to keep in in mind and I hope that you continue to listen to the podcast we're going to be bringing more speakers more perspectives and I think the stories our stories are so important and we should definitely be sharing them and uh, I just finished we're doing a um I, uh, we're doing an accountability group for the new year and uh, Ms. Rebecca is sharing a process that she's going to share with us for the accountability group that we're starting. I think you call it the Oz it's based it's, on the, okay. the Oz principles the Oz principles so I definitely, guys, look forward to that. I think that's something you definitely will get a lot from. I think accountability is so important and holding each other accountable is so important. Especially, you know, some of us are going into the new year with new goals, new new, new dreams, new projects that we want to get going. So I think this is a great way to do it. Thank you so much for being oh, on the podcast. You so I appreciate you so much. And every time I talk to you, I feel like I leave feeling better, happier, inspired. Likewise. Thank you.